Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life Adult Podcast. This podcast, which is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. So, Chris, I, I want to tell you about a project I've been on for the last, I don't know, several months. My son. What's been going well, on? Well, my, my younger son has a house here in the same town, and we're working on his kitchen. Daniel came up with this neat idea to redesign his kitchen. And it's a great concept, but pulling it off has been a challenge for us. Now, I really, I'm not going to go into the details, and you really need to see pictures of what's complicated about this one project, this one part of the kitchen. But we have tried several solutions to this one set of cabinets, and as yet, this has been months now, we still don't have an adequate solution. Now, the reason I mention that is we could talk about in a spiritual sense that we look for, we, we see the problems in the world, the problems in our lives, but what is the right solution to the problems we face? Uh, you know, my son and I, we're, we're trying to find different kind of solutions and the world, we try to find different answers to the problems we face, but the solution rests for us in a right relationship with God. And that is the point of today's Bible study. Lynn, uh, I'm going to share this with with our listeners. I'm I'm just delighted to hear that your the issue that you're trying to solve is your cabinets, not your plumbing. Because I called you last week and you said I don't know anything about plumbing and I'm trying to fix something. This is going to be a disaster. So at least you're you're in a in a safe place, safer place. I think. Well, Chris, let me give you an update on that. In three hours, the plumber is coming. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Sometimes that's the answer, man. Call a professional. I'm happy to talk spiritual matters with anybody, but I do not want to talk plumbing. <laughs> well, uh, we are in this study called um, "It's All About Jesus." So th- this is this is our second week. Last week we looked at the mission of Jesus, and uh, where he uh, said to his hometown. Uh, folks in Nazareth that he was the Messiah, that he is was the fulfillment of uh, what Isaiah prophesied. And so uh, today, what we're going to see is we're going to focus on uh, the ministry of Jesus, his healing ministry, his the miracles that he did, um, and his teaching ministries. And I think one of the things that is significant uh, for me as I've looked at this is that um, they there is a sense that they connect. Um, there is continuity in Jesus doing his teaching and his healing ministry. Um, so I hope that we'll we'll see some of that today. Uh, Nikki Wilbanks is joining us for this podcast. Nikki, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thanks for inviting me. Nikki wrote the um, content that appears in the Daily Discipleship Guide that's used by many classes, certainly young adult groups. Uh, Nikki lives here in the uh, same town I do, and here in Middle Tennessee, active at Third Baptist Church here in our town. And Nikki, as we were talking earlier, we're trying to figure out how many years you've written for Lifeway, but it's been probably eight, nine, ten years or so. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. And I love it. I love having that opportunity to contribute. Well, and we love having you write because you write so clearly and so you, you communicate so well. And so, Nikki, you did write the session that we're looking at here today, which is on the ministry of Jesus, as Chris has told us. And what we want to see in this is, as I talked about, or as I began the podcast about trying to find solutions to a problem, 
We often think our world wants to tell us there's multiple solutions when it comes to life, our spiritual matters, but really it comes down to one solution for us. And that's what we're going to see in this study, that through his miracles and teaching, Jesus pointed us to that one solution. It's a right relationship with God. Uh, For this study, we're going to be in Luke chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 17. And verse 17 begins with these words, After coming down with them, he stood on a level place. Now, before I read any further, Chris, let's talk about this opening phrase, after coming down with them. Set the context. Where did they come from and who is them? All right. So in Luke 6, um, there are... The first part of Luke 6 has two different Sabbath controversies. One is where um, the the religious leaders uh, oppose the disciples because they feel like they are breaking the uh, man-made oral traditions uh, regarding uh, eating on the Sabbath and um, harvesting, those kind of things. Uh, Then there's another... Sabbath controversy where Jesus asked the question in the synagogue, is it okay, is it good to heal, uh, to do good on the Sabbath? And he heals a man uh, on the Sabbath, which sends the religious leaders over the edge. And at that point, they begin to make plans to kill Jesus because he is teaching, doing things that are against what they teach. Jesus goes away and uh, we're told um he, he goes to the mountain to pray, uh, I think in verse 12. And, and this is something we will talk about in the future as well. But Luke uh, tells us on multiple occasions that Jesus would pull away from the crowds, pull away from his disciples, go off by himself to pray. So he has gone to the mountain to pray. After praying all night, which is something that seems like most of us would go, I don't know if I could do that or not. After praying, <laughs> God leads him to who the 12 apostles will be. And so the next thing that we see is he calls he he calls the 12 disciples, and he is coming down from that experience of prayer and calling the disciples to what we're going to be talking about today. So this is what we come to now in verse 17. After coming down with them, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. The whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. So it's interesting to me that he's um, all-inclusive, that he's healing them all. Uh as we've talked about, and as we look at, the, especially the Gospel of Luke, Jesus um, heals fellow Jews, but he he heals people who are Gentiles, who have Roman background. In chapter 17, he will heal um, a man who is a Samaritan from leprosy. So Jesus heals all of the people, not just the Jewish people, but he, he heals all people. Um as he does this work of healing, he is also revealing some very important things about who he is and some things about God. Well, let's talk about that, Nikki. And if I, I can ask you this question then, uh, as Chris said, this tells, tells us something about his character. What does the fact that he's healing these people, 
What does that tell us about his character? Well, when I was reading this, um, you know, what really sound, stands out to me is just how compassionate Jesus is. And I think that's a word that comes up over and over again in the New Testament to describe Jesus and to describe his feelings in the moment that lead to his actions. You know, he has compassion um, and it's this compassion, this love, you know, um, that is uh, flowing out of him and that causes him to do the things that he does, that causes him to come and as a, as a baby, you know, I mean, as right now um, we think about that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's interesting as we talk about this, that often we think so much about Christianity being about the future and being about our right relationship with God, how that's going to impact us eternally, which is so important and so significant. However, we see that Jesus wasn't just teaching them about that. He was, um, he, he cared about their physical needs. He cared about the physical manifestations of a broken world. And he was taking the time to fix that right then and there. So I think it really shows us that Jesus cares and he cares about us right now. That's a good uh, point. I think first the compassion of Jesus, but that he cares about us and he meets our needs in real time. Now, I think that is a message that we need to be reminded of in the church today, that in the same way that God cares and shows compassion to people in the Bible, he does that for us. I think that's a part of what gives people hope um, in their daily walk um, and th with the difficulties of life. It is good to see there's such a holistic ministry to what Jesus does. Uh, uh, Nikki, I like the way you said that. It, it is important that we, he is there for the spiritual, for to, to bring us into eternal life, into that eternal relationship with God. But it's it's for the here and now just as well. Uh, you know, I've heard of people that described as, you know, he's so heavenly minded. He's no earthly good. And th that's not Jesus. Uh, he he cares about what they're going through at that moment, uh, which is powerful. But Jesus didn't just heal. He also taught. He uh, uh, Now, I think as he healed, part of that healing was it's revealing he is the son of God. He is the Messiah. And the fact that he healed them also the fact that they've been healed, I want to really listen to what this man's going to say. So it helped give some credibility to his words and the teaching he, he, uh, he gave. And which is when we come to verse 20, this is where we says, uh, Luke tells us that looking up at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor because the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are hungry now because you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Take note, your reward is great in heaven, for this is the way your an their ancestors used to treat the prophets. So, Nikki, you wrote about um, some of the similarities and differences between uh, what Luke writes here and uses, we see the same emphasis in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters five through seven. So will you talk a little bit about uh, what you wrote there? The in the Sermon on the Mount, 
right? Which is in Matthew. We have Mount, which makes me think of a high up mountain place. Um, here, this one is often called the Sermon on the Plain, um, which from middle school social studies, I remember is more of like a flat place, you know? And so these feel like, these feel like different places when we read this. Now, um, I think there's different approaches to how to reconcile that, whether or not this actually is a different way of describing a similar place, um, or if these were two different occasions. Um, so that's one of the differences. I know that some of the other differences has to do with Matthew putting more of a spiritual, like slant on some of these things, like it's not just poor, but poor in spirit. And then we've got Luke saying things like poor, hungry, weeping, which feel very like physical needs. Uh, and Nikki, I, I do see this as two separate sermons uh, or two, two separate occasions. I should say it that way. Uh, and Chris, you know that if you've ever been a guest preacher somewhere, we uh, I have if someone called me and says, hey, can you preach at our church in the next 50? Can you be there in the next 15 minutes and preach? I've got some I could pull up that I've done before. Uh, and Jesus is when we just look at the Sermon on the Mount by itself, what a phenomenal uh, sermon, what a phenomenal amount of teaching. And you think, surely he didn't just say that one time. I'm sure as he traveled the countryside, as he went to different areas, he shared those same truths. And even though Luke and Matthew and what they record, you're right, there are some different emphases. Luke, as well, really throughout his gospel, there's such an emphasis on Jesus's ministry to the poor. And it comes out certainly in this sermon. And perhaps it was Luke's drawing that out, or it could be the context where Jesus was and who he was with. Jesus really gave it that stronger emphasis. But I, I see no qualms whatsoever saying, yeah, Jesus preached a similar sermon on, you know, on multiple occasions. Yeah, I agree with you on that for sure. And, you know, uh, there were no podcasts. <laughs> there were no, uh, there were no YouTube sermons to look up and listen to. And like you said, I mean, this is some good stuff to only say it to one small group seems like a, that would have been missing out. So, yeah, I agree. So one of the things that uh, I noticed in the Daily Devotion Guide is that you talk about the up, upside down kingdom. When we think of people who are blessed, even today, we think of people who are doing well, who are successful, uh, who are healthy, who are wealthy. And yet Jesus is saying blessed are people who are not in those circumstances. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, I think that it can be a beautiful thing and it can be so helpful to use terminology like that sometimes in our daily interactions where we are letting people know that we recognize that good things in our lives are from God, are gifts from God. And, you know, so um, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying blessed to, you know, to describe some of the ways that we feel that. Um, but yeah, here though, if you step back and you look at it, it doesn't sound blessed at all, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, some, there's different ways of kind of looking at that word blessed. Um, I know some translations say happy, which uh, I like, you know, I mean, I think that that happy is part of the meaning of that, you know, but I think that what that does is that takes away from, that makes it feel like the blessed is a feeling, that it's just something that oh, you're going to feel happy, you know, you're going to feel good. And um, maybe, you know, maybe you can feel happy when you're hungry. I personally 
feel very grouchy. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is not a good time for me, um, or tired for that matter. But um, but to say you're happy when you're weeping, you know, it, it loses a little bit there when you start to put that that those two words together. Um, you know, I've heard uh, Timothy Keller because those sermons are in fact available on YouTube. Um, you know, and uh, he referring to it as deeply satisfied, which points more to I think. Um, what we're talking about in the session, which is it's about having a status of a right relationship with God. Um, and so being deeply satisfied in that blessed or blessed status that we have um, as sons and daughters of the King. Well, that word blessed that's in our translations in the English is that word mercurios uh, in the Greek, which is literally translated as happy. And and I know we have problems with that because we do. We tie happiness to our emotions, tie happiness to our circumstances. But that is the Greek word. And as I look at it in that context, it's like Jesus is really turning this idea of happiness on its head, or to put our term blessing. Because as you said, it's we look at material things. Uh, we look at a good bank account. We look at those things that those certain televangelists really want to lift up. But it's like Jesus said, you really want to be happy? I'm going to turn that on its head. I'm going to totally redefine that for you. And it's got nothing to do with these things. It actually has to do with, uh, and of course, is this idea of, of being poor. But it's not that you're happy because you're poor. But it's the consequence that comes beyond that, which is the kingdom of God is yours. The happiness, the blessing doesn't come because you're hungry. It comes because you're filled. And when we put ourselves in those positions where God can, we seek his blessing and his, if I can say it this way, his definition of happiness. Yeah, it, it, it turns it all away from what the hell the world defines it. Yeah, I, I think that's totally true. And I think... Um... One of the other things when I was studying through this that, you know, what you were saying, I feel like really points to is that these ideas point to a dependence on God. And I think that it is, um, I think that it is a human, a normal human feeling to want to be independent. You know, we want to be independent and we want to be able to do things ourselves. We want to be able to repair our own plumbing you know, and not have to call somebody else in. Um, you know, we want to, uh, we want to age gracefully and, um, live independently as long as we possibly can. You know, we don't want to have to depend on other people and, um, so much and to step back and to say, when we're in states of need and states of want, um, and hardship, that that is oftentimes what turns us into God and to recognize how much we need to depend on him. So what we see here is that Jesus, he's, he heals, he teaches, he's bringing healing to our lives. And in this passage, Jesus has taught us that the path to joy and favor with God, he's, he's taught us what that path is. But as we move into verse 20, uh, 27, Jesus also teaches us to love as he loves. Jesus said, but I say to you who listen, love your enemies, do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you, and from someone who takes your things, 
don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. So we get back to this idea that uh, what Jesus is teaching in this particular sermon, it's the opposite of what we would think. We think love your friends, love your family, love people who love you. And Jesus flips that. Love your enemies. Love people who are opposed to you. Love people who curse you. Pray for them. It's crazy what Jesus asks us to do, but it's what he teaches and what he expects of us. This is so amazing. And I love how the love that Jesus calls us to is such a high standard to the point that it feels like it's almost impossible. Because I think that, you know, oftentimes, um, you know, I was just helping my son. He's in middle school and he's working on some social studies stuff, you know, and they're looking at uh, some different uh, ancient China and, you know, oh, things about, you know, Confucius and and Taoism. And, uh, you know, it was like, oh, well, it was explaining. And it said, similar to this idea of do unto others as you would have them do unto you is kind of what Confucius taught, right? And so we have this plan of like, okay, you know, that sounds like a, that, that, that kind of makes sense. I can, I can get on board with that, but it's beyond just treating people well. And it's beyond just non-retaliation. You know, it's loving extravagantly the people who are actually hating you, you know? And I think that that, um, is doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. However, we are so prone to think, well, yeah, but I don't hate anybody. I'm not being hateful to anybody. You know, so I don't think of like, how would I want people to respond to me when I'm angry and hateful? And I think, well, I don't do that. But I do sometimes, you know, unfortunately. And so seeing this extravagant love that um, that Jesus does and that Jesus models throughout throughout his life, here on earth, throughout his earthly ministry, but also um, by choosing to be born, you know, by choosing to come down. And then, of course, um, I know, you know, by choosing to to die for us when we are, were his enemies. Just, compl- I mean, you know, we're the ones that are there, just the complete enemies. And for him to love us so extravagantly in the middle of that. Nikki, I like that phrase you've used repeatedly, this idea of extravagant love. And when you do come to that verse, that's the, well, we often call it the golden rule, just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. Uh, You're right that this, there's a sense, this concept is not new. Uh, There were other ancients, philosophers who actually said something similar, but at the same time, what they said was different because the, uh, the way, and I'm not going to say it correctly, but it was like, what you don't want others to do to you, don't do to them. That's and Jesus is the one who came and put a fresh spin on it, where it's not just well do, av- avoid doing harm. What he's saying is look for opportunities to do good, or to quote Nikki, show that extravagant love. Do with them what you want. And, and it's, it's far more than just avoiding negative. It's going out of your way to do something positive, and that is a powerful statement from Jesus. So, Nikki, I love the example that you gave uh, from your own life experience of being a waitress. Uh, and as far as tips, <laughs> I thought that was a great story. I was such a bad, bad waitress. I was so bad at that. <laughs> I was so bad. And I always say it was the, um, I feel like it was maybe the hardest job I ever had, which for people who are good at waiting tables, they may or may not feel that that's obvious. They may think, well, you've not worked very hard. 
Um, but uh, but I was bad at it. It was really difficult. Um, um, I guess I was just saying how that um, because I did wait tables and, um, and it was so hard, you know, and then you would feel like I was just working really hard and putting myself out there and smiling and trying so hard. And then you come back and it's like, oh, a dollar tip. You know, and it, and it kind of feels a little, a little sad. And, um, and so what I was saying was that because of that, I think, I think that I try whenever I am at, have the opportunity to, to leave a tip at a restaurant. I really try to tip well, you know, um, though I always felt like that was like, you know, 20, 25%, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe round up a little bit. Um, and so what I was saying was that then though, I see these stories about like, People who leave, you know, oh, she, you know, he had a cup of coffee and he left a hundred dollar tip. And um, there's part of me that just feels like, well, I don't know if that's really the golden rule. You know, I don't know if that's really doing into others as I would have them do into me, because that's not what I expect. I didn't expect a hundred dollar tip for a cup of coffee, you know. And so I think that's that idea of um, if we start to just look at the golden rule is kind of treat people like you want to be treated. Maybe I don't expect to be treated that extravagantly, you know, but um but what we see is that that's not really what Jesus meant because he goes ahead and he elaborates on that and how that what he does expect is just, you know, it's it's more than a hundred dollar tip, you know, and it is to be radical in the way that we treat other people um, and how much we love and how generous we are to them. What's amazing about this passage is we've looked at it about loving your enemies and doing good to others. You don't really have to go deep to unpack. I mean, Jesus, it, it says what it says. It's very clear. Yet we still, humanly, we like to find exceptions. We like to find the loopholes in that. Well, yeah, I uh, I understand what Jesus is saying, but we always have a but we want to add to that. That why, why I don't need to do it in this situation. But Jesus' teaching is very clear. We're to love even as he has loved us. So he calls us to do things like pray for the people who are against us, who are opposed to us, who persecute us. So um, one of the questions that we ask is, uh, what do we find challenging about Jesus calling us to pray for people who we would consider our enemies? Um, another question tied to the golden rule uh, conversation is, what are some tangible ways to live out the golden rules the golden rule in our society. So like you told the story about uh, tipping, I think there are some conversations that we can have in our groups about how we can do that in the world in, in which we live. Through his miracles and teaching, Jesus pointed us to a relationship with God. That's what his ministry was all about. Nikki and Chris, thank you for a good conversation. Thank you. Nikki will be back with us in a couple of weeks uh, as we talk about the resurrection. And uh, we want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. Hope it's been helpful and beneficial to you. 